Welcome to the 13th episode of the fourth series of the Women in CX podcast, a series dedicated to real talk conversations between women in customer experience. Listen in as we share our career stories, we live the moments that shaped us, and voice our opinions as loudly as we like about all manner of CX subjects. I'll be your host, Claire Musket, and in today's episode, I'll be talking to one of our community's founding members and the queen of Agile CX. Let me introduce you to today's inspiring guest. She's the founding director of the European Customer Consultancy, has been named among the top 150 CX professionals globally, and has managed, consulted, and mentored leading organizations and individuals around the world. She promotes best practice and sharing as the executive director at the Customer Institute, and is the inventor of the Agile CX Implementation Toolkit. Please welcome to the show, CX sister, Olga Potapseva. Hi, Olga. Hi, Claire. So good to see you. How are you? I'm so good. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Thank you very much. You're looking very well. You're looking gorgeous, and oh, I know I said this already, but that blue top on you is just fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> and for anyone listening, uh, you have to go to our YouTube channel and take a look at Olga's uh, colors today. She looks fabulous. Um, and thank you to everybody who's joining us today and listening along at home. Uh, welcome to the Women in CX podcast. And this is a really special episode for me because it's the first time we've had one of our members join for the second time. Um, on the podcast so this is August actual second episode but I was just reflecting on you know the first episode was before women in CX as a community even existed wasn't it <laughs> it was wasn't it and what a journey it's uh, it's been a roller coaster it's uh, it's been highs and lows and but I'm hearing you having great successes and the community is growing we're all enjoying it very much and you've just done a world tour of women in cx so amazing <laughs> progress good good results congratulations on that we're getting there and i'm just so grateful to you for um you being one of the first nine founding members and helping me on that journey the european customer consultancy your business being a big part of that and helping with us with the research that kicked all of this off back in january 2021 so uh, it's my yeah. pleasure it's um it's a very rewarding community to be part of and myself and my company which has now grown a bit we're all um, thrilled to be helping oh yeah and exactly the same for you right like we were both in this kind of pandemic point in time where um there needed to be a pivot but actually for you it wasn't so hard um because you'd already built a fully remote agency and I'm going to come back and ask you more questions about that shortly but um just just for our listeners you know the question that we always ask is uh, is the opportunity to tell a bit of your backstory and how you got into CX and, and where you are today let the listeners know who is Olga Patapseva <laughs> sure um so my personal background is that I'm originally from Russia. I moved to the US when I was 15 to do uh, a year at high school. Then I came back. Then when I was at university, I went to Germany to study there. Then I moved back. And that was sort of the start of my CX interest in my career. Because whilst I was in Germany, I was studying uh, economics and marketing. And a significant part of that course was connected to market research. And as some of you may know, uh, GFK, which in German is Gesellschaft für Konsumforschung, uh, which is an institute for yeah. customer research, um, later got rebranded for growth for knowledge. 
um, because Gesellschaftung Konsumforschung, not many people can pronounce, I suppose. <laughs> I did not. I did not know that, and yeah, it was a bit of a ma- mouthful, wasn't it? But... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> great story. <laughs> um, so that's that's a very well established, well regarded institution in Germany, and I got very interested in how they operate. What is it that they find out about customers that's so useful and so interesting? So. When I went back to Moscow, I got a position at JFK and very quickly started leading a team there. And it was all about customer research. There wasn't, in hindsight, there isn't much more to it, even though at the time we felt like we are taking baby steps towards uh, customer centricity and customer experience. We just didn't know back then. That's what it's called. Uh, I got to lead um, a loyalty development program at GFK because I had a, a little bit of a misfortune of promising to the client as you know, fresh out of university, I got to lead a project and then I was presenting to the board uh, with findings and I said, well, you really need to encourage loyalty for your customers. And they asked naturally whether that's something we could do for them. And I was like, yeah, sure. We have a loyalty program. <laughs> and then I look at my manager and she was like, we don't. <laughs> so I got put in charge to develop the loyalty program, which connected me very well to the bigger GFK community. And I found people in the UK and in Germany who were interested in the same subject. Mm-hmm. So together we worked on the methodology and it got rolled out globally, uh, which I is one that. of the kind of stepping stones in my career. <laughs> So like so, you're so serendipitous though, right? Like if you hadn't made that mistake in that meeting, none of this would have happened. Maybe know, like sliding doors moment. Hey, <laughs> ignorance is bliss sometimes. <laughs> and the and the the uh, the uh, just youthfulness, isn't it? Like the belief yeah. in yourself at that moment. Yeah, we can do that. <laughs> yeah, we can do that. Why not? Um, so on. then when I moved to London in 2008, um, I took a position again at GFK. And I was, again, very fortunate to lead an account for an amazing individual and an amazing company, Thomson Reuters, who demonstrated that customer experience is something very practical. So they took our research findings and they completely informed their contact center transition from St. Louis in the US to Manila based on those results. So the way they did it, they wouldn't shut down a team in Sluis until customer ratings and customer feedback were at least at the same level for the team in Manila. Mm. And that was a very, very dynamic program, uh, very insightful, uh, Mm. informed lots of coaching, lots of skill building for Manila agents and generally a very successful call center transformation, which then got me interested to explore how insights could become something bigger and how we can drive real business change with that. And I um, moved into the kind of practitioner shoes and led a customer experience function for one of the UK insurance companies, domestic and general. And this is where I've learned so much about being a CX practitioner, not just building theories and constructs and strategies but actually doing it and implementing and what are the real life challenges there um, and that kind of kick-started my interest and my career in CX. 
Mm, yeah so I just picked picking up on a few things there so obviously oh. amazing businesses and brands with GFK and Reuters DNG insurance but yeah I I totally agree with you that um that kind of practical grounding and having done the job is super important but also the realization that whatever kind of company industry or sector you work in it can look completely different right so a lot of the theories or the the widely held beliefs about customer experience don't necessarily apply everywhere and um trying to approach things from a strategy down as opposed to action up um approach is a lot of the reason i think why so many customer experience initiatives fail and i like you very much you know experimented learned like on the job what worked what didn't like what the way in to influence the organization was as well as the approach we needed to take and fundamentally it is all about using what we do to deliver business results right and fathoming and finding your own way to do that wherever you are is way more important than trying to shoehorn a strategy that has been kind of marketed somewhere or, or maybe a digital um, or technology solution that's, that's an apparent silver bullet for customer experience like being Indeed, in there yeah. really listening and understanding and finding out like what works what's not working like um, there isn't really a, a theoretical approach to, to be able to do that it's very very much hands-on um, but I love that story that's a great story thank you for sharing that um, and yeah so like now kind of like moving into this like entrepreneurial world and setting up your own company um what was like one of the biggest challenges or barriers you've had to overcome to become the woman that you are today um well I'll tell you another story that you know my my personal and professional life seem to be very closely interconnected uh so (laughs) what prompted me to establish my own company is a range of personal circumstances. Uh, at the time, I was happily living in London. I, After DNG, I moved on to work for the Bank of Cyprus and then for a London-based consultancy. And mm-hmm. I, I wasn't planning to move away from London at all. And then on one March day, <laughs> my sister called me and she is... Um, like I, well, I'm, I'm really fed up living in Russia I don't want to do this anymore so I'm going to move to Georgia uh, well what, what the hell are you talking about <laughs> where's Georgia well why would we move there and um she's like no 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 I've, I've got it figured out and um you know it's it's I'm I'm uh, telling the story as if it was an easy decision, but obviously I've been living away from my family for a while, and it's always been at the back of our mind that we'd like to reunite at some point. And the decision has been made there and then. I was like, oh, okay, if you're moving, I'll move too. Um, and then she was like, oh, okay, if you're moving, then we'll convince the parents to move as well. So we all packed up uh, with children and whatnot and moved to Georgia in Southern Europe. And that presented a specific challenge for me because that was pre-pandemic. Remote work was not on the agenda. Mm, it wasn't even uh, a thing, was it? But it then. wasn't really a thing, yeah. Mm. I always made a point to work a couple of days a week remotely from home, but still that's you know very much of a physical presence in the office. Um, being fully remote wouldn't have been a solution. So I started then thinking about what could I do? And I guess that's where the entrepreneurial mindset comes in. Okay, well, can I do something in Georgia? Probably not, because that's not really a market for customer experience at the scale that I need. Um, 
and I started building partnerships with uh, individuals and consultants that I knew, uh, trying to see if I could do things for them as a subcontractor. And that's how the remote story started. And coming back to your question, what was the biggest challenge is convincing people that it could work. It actually is okay mm. to be based somewhere else, uh, which sounds really funny now, because now I think we are all convinced. Um, mm. But at the time, that was the biggest barrier. And I had to work quite a lot. I, I had to work at a lower rate than I usually would uh, just to prove myself and add value wherever I was. Um, I had to travel a lot as well, which is fine by me. And that's how the concept of my business started. Um, I don't work in the region where I live. I'm one of those digital nomads, I guess. Um, yeah, but mm -hmm. I do go and visit my clients in the Middle East or UK or Europe, uh, US, we always work remotely or have been so far, um, wherever business takes me really. Mm -hmm. Wow, again, another serendipitous moment that changed the course of your entire life and career, your sister yeah. saying, Hey, <laughs> well, let's move. <laughs> but I guess that comes back to having the belief in yourself. A anything is possible. Uh, whatever career path you'd like to have, um, whatever lifestyle is suitable for you, you can make it work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I guess like reflecting on my own experience, I did exactly that. I left corporate knowing that I didn't want to be in the corporate world anymore because I was disillusioned by having this big job that I thought was everything I ever wanted that turned out not to be what I wanted because I loved being hands-on running workshops doing all that kind of stuff I figured out like the the thing that really flipped my switches was being a CX design uh, <laughs> or being in the CX design space rather than in the management and leadership space um, and then yeah like similarly took the risk and ended up living and working as a digital nomad for two years before the pandemic and having the time of my life like if I'd um, if I'd have kind of like sat there and tried to plan out how I'd make that happen I wouldn't have had a clue but I just <laughs> followed the opportunities as they came and looked back and I was like oh my god I'm actually a digital nomad like living yeah. and working as a global consultant and keynote speaker with a fully remote agency behind me like I didn't design yes. that it just Happened it just happened over time yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. we we both had a, a bit of design behind it so you kind of design and iterate as you go along in the best practice of uh, service design and um, you know I always had an aspiration that I would like to have my own company not continue mm -hmm. working as a subcontractor for other people all the time mm -hmm. and um, I took steps that made sense to be mm -hmm. who I want to be and as they say, you know, if you start behaving as your future self, you become your future self. And now I work with global corporations and governments around the world, and I'm, I'm happy to involve other people as well into what I do. Yeah, no, you're totally right. Um, I mean, it, I, it's a moment that I've not really had a chance to pause and reflect on until like right now. <laughs> but, <laughs> The similarity between like designing your life and your lifestyle and delivering it uh, being something iterative that happens quite experimentally and um, just like customer experience and CX design yeah. is you know kind of establishing a vision for what you think you want it to be it isn't necessarily a blueprint at that point 
but testing and learning about what works and experimenting and allowing the path to unfold in the direction where there's demand for the work, for example, or understanding your own wants and needs even more and how you can fulfill those. I just never really yeah. made that connection that we <laughs> yes, designed and architected our own life experience um, yeah. with agility. <laughs> and, you know, hopefully failing fast. If you have to fail, recognize that and move on. <laughs> Yeah, and do you know what? That's been my biggest issue, I think, you, now in the startup space, about to kind of go after um, the big leagues and get investment and the VC route and stuff is like, I've always been absolutely petrified of what would happen if I fail. And that's what's held me back from doing that until now, because the, the, the higher risk with someone else's money, I just thought I didn't want to shoulder that responsibility and I wasn't entirely sure that I could do it but um it was a conversation with one of my mentors where he he's an exited founder and sold his business and said you know you're only seeing that I've you know sold my company for x million multi-million dollars um but you didn't see like the million dollars or so that I lost in getting to that point yeah. um so being able to take those risks and experience um failure on the way to success I guess it's something that I'm not yet accustomed to or comfortable with, but I'm prepared to now. And I wasn't before. <laughs> yeah, that's very good. Congratulations on that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Very it's important cool. step. <laughs> yeah, step to take. Um, yeah, so be, be ready, listeners. You're going to be hearing much about many more of my failures along the way. Um, but yeah, but it's true, though, I guess. Like, even it's failing, way, failing my way to success, like it, when, with customer experience, it's totally true. Like, I'd always be running into barriers and roadblocks and have to figure out a way around it like I didn't you know come up with the model that I apply for customer experience design overnight and it just worked it was 15 years in the making of figuring out actually from what didn't work how to get around the problem or um, to architect that so yeah and that kind of comes back to our point doesn't it on um, uh, one size doesn't fit all in CX Mm. Um, you can't just take a strategy that someone else designed and put it into your organization and it works at, at best it becomes a wallpaper and you know at worst everyone just ignores that so it's it's really fitting in with your environment your organization ways of doing things and applying mm. critical thinking mm. failing sometimes succeeding more of the times <laughs> and crossed, just, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. paving <laughs> paving your way to success it's it's hard work to become a customer enabled organization it doesn't happen overnight yeah and i love that word um that um you i get uniquely i've been talking about this i've not heard anyone else be talking about customer enabled organizations before and you know like we are clearly very much aligned on the cx practicality action orientation but please do tell the audience more about um, customer labeled organizations what does it actually mean and and how can customer experience be seen as a capability like marketing or finance sure uh you will certainly be hearing more about this because i love this term and it's it's not something i came up with um single-handedly it's a collaboration effort with uh, partners of mine icg who invented the customer needs system so it's a tool that we use for customer insights that is unique in itself so it's not looking at your propensity to recommend which is a retrospective experience assessment it's it's not looking at your satisfaction it's 
purely looking at what is it that the customer needs from your company in their own words. And then it puts it into a system, a hierarchy of needs and hierarchy of drivers. And it's very practical. So everything I do is very practical. And that, so for example, if you uh, find out that customers core needs group is communication, mm -hmm. that's useful, but not very actionable communication could mean many different things but what's important is that you get uh, top three to top five top ten drivers of communication so what can you do specifically to improve their perception of communication um, and this is where your enablement starts because it resonates with the company it resonates with their objectives and it fits into the system mm. and that kind of bridges us to a very important point that whatever you're trying to achieve in customer experience has to be aligned with the way your business operates and the business objectives and general brand and business strategy. Mm -hmm. um, and I always talk in, in knowledge sharing and education sessions, I always uh, cite an example of Ryanair as one of the uh, I, I shouldn't best say best customer experience brands, you but you know, customer enabled <laughs> expectation brands. management brands. <laughs> Precisely. So the business strategy is to get passengers from A to B safely at the lowest possible price. That's it. So if you came in with the experience strategy that said, carry everyone luggage for them, it's just not going to fly because that's not part of the business strategy. It doesn't fit with the brand. So if your experience strategy says, okay, by you know, not charging people for using the toilets on the airplane, we are going to <laughs> minimize the damage to the brand, or we're going to minimize the number of rejections or negative publicity, that would really resonate. That would explain to the business why we shouldn't do such a thing. And it's a, you know, it's a little bit of a made up example, but, uh, what I'm trying to say is that make sure there is alignment. And if you can achieve that, then CX becomes an instrument for the business, not an add-on. Um, sadly, we saw many CX teams being made redundant during the pandemic because mm -hmm. businesses saw them as a, as a nice to have, you know, mm -hmm. it's all about hugging our customers and being, mm -hmm. um, being nice to them. It's, it may be if that fits with your brand strategy, but it doesn't necessarily mean that. So it's, it's another lens to look at your operations, just like marketing, finance, IT. And if, if we as CX practitioners deliver that, then we have the right to sit at the table. We're doing something useful for the business by being aligned to our customer needs and expectations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I obviously wholeheartedly agree with this. We talked about um, this subject so many times offline, um, but I, I I agree. I guess the way I practiced with on the business side and with clients was always this intersection between different departments and divisions where we could provide a line of sight and a perspective that they didn't have that could increase value. So, for example, like customer experience feedback about like the proposition itself like what do we need to do differently with our product and service you can see that from the lens of experience um or even you know kind of operational efficiency you can look at well where are we over investing in something that doesn't matter to customers exactly. that much and where are we like completely missing 
stuff that we should be invested in how do we rebalance that equation like that's useful isn't it it's practical it's yes. pragmatic yeah like, where, 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 where should we be heading like with propositions and services you you know like there's this intersection is super interesting with like research and, and customer experience and being able to you know move forward from having data sets and insights into being able to redesign something that can have a span that, inf that informs the work that's being done in proposition product digital multiple departments because it's an experience vision for um, what the end customer wants needs and we can deliver um, in the future because of who we are as a brand like we've got a set of tools that can help to do that like who wouldn't want that but like you say you know so often it's being seen as like let's go and hug all of our customers and make everything amazing <laughs> like yes yeah that's yeah. that's not valid that's not valuable that's why people and teams get made redundant right it's, it's, it's just not driving more costs into the business from you know senior mm -hmm. senior management perspective you know we are operating all right at the moment why are you asking us to um, mm -hmm. do more and invest more and what's returned on that investment and it's a ver very valid question we can't just come up to to the board alongside marketing and all the other departments and say okay marketing are proposing this project they need a hundred thousand investment and they're going to deliver five hundred thousand return in a year's time mm -hmm. and then cx people come and say we need a hundred thousand investment we don't <laughs> know how long it's going to take to return that if it's yeah. going to return this all but it's all going to be fine trust me um, that's not a good business case. We we really need to start thinking about it from um, solutions perspective. So, but then, yeah, I, yeah, so, I, sorry, just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just very excited to tell you about a case study that I'm working go for it, on. Go for it, sorry. Uh, with uh, with Awards International, which is a very successful company, they are delivering. You know what, what they're meant to be delivering. The, uh, customer satisfaction is high but we are working on their customer journeys and just the alignment between the teams and the ideas that they come up with really highlighted to us that the way the business is operating now and the level of personalization is great but it's not scalable so we we can't scale all of the awards consultants to serve many many more customers so where is it that we need to keep that and where we can afford to automate things make the journey just as smooth but remove the interactions that don't matter as much to customers so designing that service proposition has been great because it's looking into the operating model and really generating more for an already successful business mm, no, nice example um and again speak preaching to the choir here because that's how we built wix right co-design yes. <laughs> establishing what's most important and scaling a business model over time um as we as we've learned um and yeah like marketing automation i didn't have a clue about that i knew it was something that existed but as a kind of startup founder having to be really super hands-on with um learning how to do that and figuring out actually there's so much that can be done that doesn't remove value just because it's not a person doing something manually yes <laughs> um, but being able to establish establish that from the outset is is super important um i was just to catch on that thing you know when we were like trying to talk over each other i was just going to add <laughs> a, a bit more um a, a bit more of a, an example from my background as well into what we were talking about then because like 
customer experience trying to claim its own budgets for capex and opex might not necessarily especially if you're not established and you haven't got the buy-in isn't the best thing to do it's how can I, what we do as cx team or professionals or whatever support another area of the business with the objective that they're trying to deliver how can we increase their return on investment through what we do um was the route that i took initially um so i wasn't there asking for capex and opex on my own projects i was demonstrating how uh, we could increase the return on investment of other projects with a bit yeah. of customer experience and eventually that led to me being able to ask for capex and opex of my own because we've proven that it works but i didn't um it, it's a big leap for senior leaders to take to believe in something that isn't proven and it's just a mindset i think we need to get away from that you know i mean that you know proving return on investment of cx in isolation um is is something that is going to be really difficult to do before you've yeah. demonstrated cx yeah. as part of the broader business proposition like we were talking about you know in digital in marketing in yeah. um, the established teams that do already have budgets you're better off yeah. going over there and adding value yeah. to what they're doing than than, than doing yeah. the other way around and we, we uh, cannot I, be talking about cx in isolation because cx by nature is a glue that unites all of the functions to work together to deliver customer outcomes so by default it cannot be in isolation we we don't have the skills to run mm. the entire company. We can just be yeah. one of the enablers. That's why it's um, customer-enabled organizations that um, I talk about. And um, there are some things that you can even do with no budget, zero budget at all. Um, oh, yeah, we've done it, haven't we? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And um, we, we, I'm going to let you in on a secret. We are working on this uh, new uh, CX Wikipedia product which is going to have a library of useful stuff and one of the sections there is um, um, kind of cx micro actions it's uh, things that you can do just just like that you don't need a permission you don't need a budget like for example one mm -hmm. of those is in our contact center dng we put up a sign to say a customer can hear a smile that completely transformed conversations. When agents started smiling on the phone, um, that you know mitigates angry customers. That helps agents to feel better, and that really lifted up our um, customer feedback scores. So that mm -hmm. yeah, I'm I'm very excited building this micro actions um, library. That well, so super helpful, and so so often it's the simple things that make the biggest difference, and we don't hear enough about that do we it's the um big complicated inflated intellectualizations around customer experience rather than just the in the muck and bullets the simple things that work and can drive um a, a return with zero investment i love that so um to kind of just rounding this off then like you know we've been talking about strategy we've been talking about implementation um what are your thoughts on on, on getting the right balance clearly i'm an advocate of um, implementation over strategy that can buy you the ticket to the uh, the table to get the seat at the game where you can start to influence strategy but what are your thoughts um where do you sit on this continuum i think i don't know if there is a again one size fits all if you have senior management buy-in right from the start you 
typically need to give them a sense of direction. So you need to create the strategy. You need to have uh, CX decision-making principles. So what, what's, what is it that we promise to customers and how we deliver that? Um, you may consider creating um, C-suite engagement toolkit for them just to tell them how you expect them to leave that strategy um, and then cascade that down. Uh, if you don't have a C-level buy-in, then you should definitely focus more on achieving micro results than micro results than bigger mm -hmm. results and mm -hmm. building your portfolio of uh, successful mm -hmm. projects before mm -hmm. you can actually turn that into a coherent strategy that is going to be signed off by the leadership. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it really is a judgment call. In my work, what I typically practice, um, just based on the clients I work with, is 20% spent on what we call CX foundations, that is strategy, journey mapping, and research, and 80% uh, implementing that. Mm -hmm. No, that sounds like a really good balance to have. <laughs> but yeah, um, and, and yeah, kind of bringing that really into focus, one of the big dependencies about the approach you take is the maturity of the organization and how customer enabled it already is. Um, so yeah. Um, I think that's really super practical advice for our listeners as well. I'm sure they've appreciated this conversation. Um, I hope so. Lots of examples in there. So, so finally, Olga, what would be your one piece of advice or your top takeaway for the women in CX listeners out there? What would you like to leave them with? I think I, I really enjoyed our conversation about the success path. And on that, I think, you know, being the future version of yourself is my top advice be who oh. you want to be <laughs> yeah and quite often it's who you already are right but being able to own your success at where you're at today <laughs> sometimes yeah, like... it's easier said than done um, <laughs> and and not being held back by like previous experiences or beliefs is one of the most challenging things to do so yeah get out there girls own your success be who you are today uh, don't let the, the past hold you back and we'll all go on that one so that's it everybody thank you so much for listening thank you to Olga Thank you so much for having me. That was a pleasure. And thanks. I'm, I'm very honored to be the first one to be here twice. Yay. It's amazing. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> and, and long may our uh, friendship, relationship and community building experience happen uh, well into the future, Olga. Thank you so much. We'll see you all next time. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Women in CX podcast with me, Claire Musket. If you enjoyed the show, please drop us a like, subscribe and leave a review on whichever platform you're listening or watching on. And if you want to know more about becoming a member of the world's first online community for women in customer experience, please check out womenincx.community and follow the Women in CX page on LinkedIn. Join us again next time where I'll be talking to one of our founding members from Belgium about overcoming childhood trauma to become the women we were always destined to be. See you all next time.